the Paramount Fitness Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things health, fitness, nutrition, and training related, and often some general chit-chat on the side with the guys behind the results, Lee Cooper and Daniel Thorpe, plus special guests. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Paramount Fitness Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Lee Cooper, and once again I am joined by Mr. Daniel Thorpe. Dan has been away at the weekend, much like myself, um, on or at a conference down in London called the 3DMJ Conference. Um, 3DMJ basically means 3D Muscle Journey. So I thought we would take this opportunity on this week's podcast to chat about the conference, um, find out a little bit more about the guys behind the conference, the reason why Dan chose to attend this conference, and from the information that he um, took away from the day, what's applicable to you guys and how you can get better results in uh, your nutrition. Um, with the use of some of the tools and some of the strategies that were not only discussed, but also what probably Dan is now able to confirm in his own findings from his own research. So, uh, Mr. Daniel Thorpe, uh, tell us a little bit more about 3DMJ, what you know, um, so that the guys that are listening will know a little bit more about the reason why you chose to go to that event. Uh, what you say? The reason I chose to go. To so, who's behind 3DMJ? Who are the main? Who are the? Who are the guys behind it? Okay, so you've got uh, now a team of uh, a team of five coaches. You've got uh, uh, Jeff Alberts, Eric Helms, Brad Loomis, uh, Alberto, Alberto Nunez, and uh, Andrea Valdez. Uh, so, like I say, uh, a group of uh, coaches, ultimately, uh, and athletes as well. In terms, when I say athletes, you've got um, uh, natural bodybuilders and crossover into powerlifters as well. But I suppose how I know them most is as uh, coaches and individuals who put out obviously very important content. I'm confident that you've had coaching from one of those guys before, right, on a one to one basis? Uh, correct. Okay, so um, not only have you followed these guys, you've actually worked with one of them by having him coach you, right? Yeah. So is that one of the main reasons why you knew that you were going to go to this conference and it was going to be kind of like on the money in terms of information? Well, I'm, uh, straight away, obviously, I had to be bought into um, knowing that these coaches are like reputable and it's something I would... I would use. Um, obviously, I wouldn't um, put my faith or money into a coach I didn't believe in, mm-hmm. uh, or have a cons- sorry, have a consultant um, that would provide me with uh, sound advice or knowledge. So, which one of those guys have you worked with then? So, I worked with Jeff. Okay, and what did you? What just give the listeners some a little bit of background? What did you attain, or what did you go to Jeff for? Um, so, for me, it was. Um, 
probably required a bit of a bird's eye view over my uh, training and nutrition. Um, also probably with a bit of a long term, basically to figure out what direction I should take my uh, training in, um, obviously dependent on my goals. Now, I think we're all a little bit, um, like I'm very good at giving, well, I try to be very good at giving like objective advice or logical or rational advice to all my clients, all my guys. Um, but I thoroughly acknowledge that I get in my own way. Yeah. Um, so to outsource uh, that part um, of me is a, a big deal. So if I can outsource like um, my diet or my training to an extent or at least discuss it with someone, then I can come up with a, a better plan yeah. of, what, of how to move forward. And I think that's probably a really key point to start with that regardless, you're a very knowledgeable coach in my eyes and in my experience of being in the industry, you're up there in my eyes. But it's very important that you've just highlighted that even if you are a coach, yeah, you require a coach. Just because Jessica Ennis is a top athlete doesn't mean she knows everything that she shouldn't outsource her coaching, her training, her diet. Absolutely. And that's, that's in essence what you've done. You've looked at everything that's on your plate and you've gone, right, I'm going to have an objective view from a third eye who's superior than me in their knowledge and their experience, etc. Absolutely. And gone about it that way. And obviously, I remember looking back at that time, You, I think one of the key things was that you were actually told to train less, right? Yeah. Which annoyed you because training to you is like daily medication or daily meditation, should mm -hmm. I say, yeah. or medication. Either way, it's, Either way, it's good yeah. for you on a daily basis. But you were told to reduce your training or, well, be, or was, at least encouraged to reduce your training. It was the logical thing to do at the time, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the same, well, the logical process was basically just to make room for progress. So uh, reducing like total volume of training, I was, I was kind of, like I said, I was getting in my own way. Mm -hmm. um, just a, a pure like love for training, but um, doing it so often, it didn't give me the window of opportunity to look at it outside of my own head. So like, being a cog within the the mechanism, obviously you don't get much uh, overview of what's going on. No. So fast forward then, so it was Saturday, Saturday just gone, you went to Stamford Bridge, home of Chelsea Football Club, Premier League side, um, for the, it was a two-day conference, but the first day was a theory-based conference, lots of seminars, talks, discussions, the second day was a practical, right? So you went yeah. down to the theory side of things. Yeah. Um, Give the, give the guys that are listening a bit of a brief outline of how the day unfolded. Did you go down with any expectations or what were you kind of just, what were you kind of like going for? What was your reasoning? What, what am I going for? Because I, I knew the quality of obviously the, uh, the speakers that were going to be there. And obviously, um, uh, and who was attending as well. I mean, you've got some like, um, Big names within the industry, and you you kind of ha you have to follow trends to make sure you get the right information, um, and you have to look for you have to look for quality, and it's not always uh, that evident all around. 
but I was still thoroughly confident that we we're going to get some of the best information uh, uh, out there. Now, it's always good to go and get a, a perspective from a lot of um, different minds. And because remember, like, as a, as a PT or a coach, you, you do a lot of this thinking and a lot of, like, um, setting up for clients and uh, setting up your processes or your system as a bit of a lone wolf. So you you come up with little systems and those systems kind of change and they get co-authored with each client and then you kind of spread them around. You kind of find your own um, method or way. But it's but you've got to you've got to go to these things to make sure to keep you in check to make sure you're not doing uh, stuff that's just that you're getting bogged down by and it's that's getting in the way or unnecessary things. Um, and also to confirm what you're doing is right. So, yeah, you just got to keep on top of your education, I suppose. So you went down, you went, uh, you told me you were front row centre, because you know. That's front row centre, no. Yeah, that's where you go. Um, no. But when we spoke on Saturday night after you got home, or I think maybe even Sunday morning, you said that the, the information that they shared was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. Can you give the guys... Um, maybe not a breakdown because you probably have to repeat the whole day. But what were your key takings? Yeah, um, what were your key points that you took away from the event? Well, so obviously there was um, five main presentations. So we started on the Saturday. Um, we looked at um, flexible dieting or how to implement flexible dieting, um, what it is, what the definition of it is, um, who it's for. Um, and also like perspective based stuff as well so um, who you're directing your your dietary advice to and trying to again get out of your uh, your own mindset that obviously my my diet is probably not the best diet for one of my clients Um, meaning that my version of flexibility or a flexible uh, dietary approach is probably not the same as yours, mm-hmm. right? Because what I can adhere to um, consistently, sustainably, and relatively—I'm not going to say easily—is um, probably different from a lot of people's. So it's looking at things on a spectrum rather than an, uh, a black and white or an, on an off switch. Okay, uh, and that was so. It's being flexible with your diet. And being flexible with being flexible, so making sure to, that to a certain extent, yeah, we was looking at um, so flexible dieting, and we had a look at the original like definition of what flexible dieting is. So it come come about by the research, and it was looking at flexible dieting restraint. Now, so flexible and restraint are kind of two opposing words on of one spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. But we know in terms of when it comes down to dieting, we have to apply restraint. There's not really much getting away from that. If you want to lose weight, you've got to lose something. Yeah. Okay. And obviously that means a caloric deficit. Yeah, obviously there are um, scenarios where you can you can bring food up and things like that. But ultimately it boils down to um, energy restriction um, and adhering to the energy balance. So we know we have to apply restraint. So what we were um, kind of discussing was a 
a diet that is based on rigid restraint versus a diet that is based on a flexible restraint. So we were coming up with um, terms for flexible dieting, and a lot of people had slightly different terms on it. And like my term for flexible dieting that I use for most people is, I like most people to have like an all-inclusive diet that sits within a framework. So there's certain rules, but within that framework, um, I want you to be as flexible as what you can. But it has to allow you um, to sustainably do the right things. So it's a form of um, positive constraint for most people. Mm -hmm. That's how I see flexible-based dieting. Um, so rules do need to be put in place. But whereabouts on that spectrum and for what individual at what time is a bit more of a skill to figure out with your clients person to person. As you'll know that not all my clients follow the same nutritional uh, plan. So you, you will notice that some of my clients that for periods of time will have to use like a food, a template almost. And then there's some of my clients who are on, obviously they can track uh, calories, macros down, down to the ground. But that obviously doesn't work for every single person. So you can't use a, blank, a blanket system um, across the board. Um, just simply because you have to be able to um, tweak your approach um, based, on, based on human behaviors. And human behaviors largely probably the single biggest determinant factor of, uh, of why a diet will or won't work, should I say. Too strict with their nutrition, and what's the difference between being super strict and you know trying to avoid certain foods, reducing certain foods, cutting things out of their diet, to your advice on a flexible approach? Okay, so uh, I guess you're trying to ask me what's the difference between being very, very rigid versus flexible. Yeah, or the benefit of choosing to be more flexible than rigid. Okay, well, well, even with obviously, with a flexible approach, there's still a, a variation with how rigid that is. Mm -hmm. All right? So, now, the, obviously the conference I was at was based largely on fitness professionals and people working with uh, bodybuilders. But then we also looked at, we scaled back down to very, very beginners. Much like how you know, like uh, a lot of the the technology in your car started in probably an F1 car a long time ago, and it gets scaled back and it comes down and down and down the line. Um, so, even what we were trying to look at is that we've got to make sure it, it matches up. So, a flexible dieting uh, approach can be used by anybody. It just has to be used in the right way. So now when you look at one end of the spectrum, so let's go from a very, very rigid standpoint. So for example, uh, when you tell someone they cannot eat, uh, so their diet has to be zero bread, pasta, rice, or it was a zero fat diet. Um, eating in a very, very specific way um, without... A direct understanding of why they're doing that, I think, is a big important uh, factor. Um, more often than not, leads to let's call it a crash. 
a falling off of the wagon. Um, binge eating tends to be a little bit higher with those kind of circumstances. And when those kind of things happen, you end up with a bit of a yo-yo effect, right? Okay, people feel guilty falling off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then overdo it, trying to get back on the wagon, and then so ensues the wave. It goes up and down and up and down. Whereas if people understood the principles behind it, you, it allows much more of a flexible approach. So the, flexi- the flexible approach basically gives you a lot more freedom from a mindset point of view because you know you can include all foods. You know it's very hard to actually be naughty because you can't actually eat naughty foods. If you adhere to uh, a framework, then everything's fair game. So why, let me just jump in then real quick. So why do you think most people or most individuals and even some professionals, Mm -hmm. why do you think some do even advise cutting out whole food groups? Or not advise, go, so you'll get a a select few of fitness professionals that may advise that. Mm -hmm. But certainly, why do you think people eliminate total food groups, like cut out carbs completely, cut out fat completely? I think it... I think it's still a bit of a hangover from um, pre, like previous dietary advice. Um, so, I mean, nowadays we pretty much um, nobody really argues the fact that of the energy balance like equation that is kind of undeniable now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to a large degree, obviously, many years ago wasn't such the case, um, and so I would say it possibly started with the information that, or the understanding that fat made you fat, right? So everyone went with low fat. Now, much like people shooting at goal, if they miss left, then they their next shot misses right, and then hopefully the next one trying to kind of hits center. And then, so obviously people went with low fat. Then I think we kind of overshot it, um, and people went with no carbs, and no sugar and then so then uh, food templates came around and meal plans came around and then I think people kind of overshot the mark by going by taking um, something like if it fits your macros to the to the nth degree taking it far end of the spectrum that you had to eat shit excuse my language that everyone had to was eating um, sugar whey powder and um, peanut butter to heal their macros but let's just scale that back a little bit. As we kind of always go by, and I'm, I'm going to be fed up of saying it at some point, is that it's, it's a case of it depends. Um, and, and being happy to be like, kind of like, you know what, I'm sat in the middle here. Um, I, can, I can appreciate the arguments of both, and both sides have very compelling arguments. Um, but then when you kind of understand that it, pretty much comes down to just um, energy balance. It cuts out a lot of the noise. Very thought-provoking indeed. Now, I think we'll wrap up this episode there because off-air, so to speak, or whilst we weren't recording, we actually briefly just discussed breaking this down over a couple of podcasts. So I think this is going to be episode one, or at least part one of this. Um, 
we'll come back for part two. Part two will continue discussing flexible dieting. Yeah, I think we've only just scraped scraped the surface. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, more of a thought-provoking podcast, this one. Be sure to come back, check out part two, where I'll be once again speaking to Dan um, and giving you a little bit more insight on flexible dieting and um, more information of what he uh, picked up from the 3DMJ conference in London at the weekend. So hopefully you've just uh, managed to enjoy this episode and... uh, like I said, found it thought-provoking and started to get you think a little bit more about where you might sit on that spectrum. Uh, but in the meantime, I, we shall leave you to it. But be sure to come back and check back for part two when it gets published. So we'll speak to you all soon. Take care. That's it for this week's episode of the Paramount Fitness Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. And be sure to head back next week for another episode. To make sure you don't miss out, click the subscribe button and be notified as soon as we upload the next podcast. Until then, stay fit, healthy, and strong. Bye for now.